I heard a preacher say this week, and, and he was so right on it. Man, listen, we don't even know what Christmas is about anymore. I'm talking about our younger generation. Man, we, so, we say so little about Jesus anymore that we've totally, we've lost Jesus in Christmas. We've lost the Christ in Christmas a lot of times. And it's all about, you know, it's all about Santa Claus and it's all about Frosty and it's all about, you know, all about these things and presents and things like that. And I'm not against, you know, you exchanging some gifts and things like that. But uh, tonight, tonight in the service, and that's really what tonight is all about uh, tonight, we want to really put it in perspective for you. If, if I had young uh, people, young kids, you know what? I'd make sure they were in the service tonight. Uh, and we want to really try to emphasize what the real reason for the season is all about. Uh, and so I hope that you'll be in your places tonight, if you will. Matthew chapter 1 in your Bibles. And when you find your place this morning, if you would uh, stand, at, if you're able, out of respect for the reading of God's Word, so tempted to read the whole chapter this morning, just so you can get some good context. Um, and we'll at least lead, uh, read a good portion of it, maybe not the whole thing, but at least a good portion. And uh, so I want us to start in verse number one. And, and, and this is one of those situations where if you're not careful, you know, as you're reading the begats and the begottens, you'll sort of, you know, you sort of get glazed over, you know, and you're thinking this is really not important. But you know what? We're gonna we're gonna show you this morning just how important this really is. Uh, and so look at at uh, Matthew chapter one in verse number one. The Bible says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. In other words. In other words, just in case you're here this morning, you don't understand what this is saying. Abraham, from Abraham came Isaac, and from Isaac came Jacob. In other words, uh, Abraham, his uh, wife, gave birth to Isaac, and, and Isaac and his wife gave birth to Jacob, and Jacob and his wife gave birth to Judas and his brethren. That's what the Bible's talking about here. Verse 3, And Judas begat Pharaoh, and Zerah of Tamar, and Pharaoh begat Ezra, and Ezra begat Aram, Aram begat Amenadab, and Amenadab begat Nason, and Nason begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Booz, or, or what we would know as Boaz, of Rechab, and Booz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Reboam, and Reboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa, Asa begat Josaphat, and Josaphat begat Joram, and Joram begat Ozias. And you get the idea there. Uh, and uh, now I want you to skip down, if you will, to verse number 14. And the Bible says, And Azor begat uh, Sadik, and Sadik begat Achim, and Achim begat Eliad. And Eliad begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Madden, and Madden begat Jacob. Now watch closely. And Jacob, somebody says, who cares? You ought to care. Because the Bible says, and Jacob begat Joseph. Now notice the way the Bible puts this. The husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. In other words, this is how it unfolded. That's what that means. This is how it all came about. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, 
before they came together, before they were physically joined, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And you may be seated this morning. And I want to talk to you a little bit about this subject, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And uh, I don't think I could preach a deep message, but, but, but if you will at least allow me as we start the message to try to at least give you a little substance here uh, and, and something for you to take home and, and, and at least digest uh, a little bit. But I promise you we'll, we'll, we'll make it real practical uh, an understanding for you this morning. But we're going to go to the Lord in prayer at this time. And I want you to really, really hear me out. This is not a long outline, but I got a lot packed in it. Uh, that I want to give to you. I could probably break this up into a couple different messages, but I'm going to preach it all, Lord willing, I'm going to preach it all this morning, and we'll try to still get you out at the same same time we always do. But uh, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at this book uh, of the generation of Jesus Christ this morning, which is very important. Uh, And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll jump right into the Bible study this morning. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be back in your house again today. And Lord, thank you for the great music and the singing and the choir and the special. And uh, Lord, we just appreciate, uh, Lord, your blessing. Thank you for blessing the ministry already this week. And we're so glad and and grateful for those that were saved. And uh, Lord, what 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 a blessing to be able to stand up and report that to the church Father, I pray that you'll bless Brother Jerry and all the workers uh, down there in the junior church. I know they're a little understaffed today as well because of the, the sickness that's going on, so I pray you'll help them today. And so, Lord, we pray now for the power of the Holy Spirit, and I pray, God, that you'll help the Word to, to uh, Lord, help me to preach it in such a way that it's understandable, that it's uh, uh, practical, that we could uh, take it and apply it to our hearts and our lives and our minds. And, uh, and so, Lord, help us this morning, please. And, Lord, if there may be one that's never been saved, I pray today will be the day they'll come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and that they'll get saved today. And so be with us, please, Father. We love you. I ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. Each of the Gospels, while agreeing, when I say Gospel, I'm talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of the Gospels, while agreeing together, at a slightly different look at the life of Jesus Christ. If you go and study the Gospels, you'll find out that really there are only two of the Gospels that actually deal with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel. Mark's Gospel is a book of what I would call immediacy. Uh, it talks about immediately, immediately this happened and immediately that happened. And, and if you go to the Gospel of Mark, uh, immediately Mark begins with the baptism of Jesus. 
it's almost like he skips over the birth of Christ, but of course we know it was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit wanted him to start. And uh, then we go to John's gospel, and John's gospel deals with what we call the incarnation, or Jesus is God. He is deity wrapped in humanity. So we go to Luke's gospel, and Luke's gospel deals with the humanity of Christ. Whereas John's message was the, the man Jesus was God, Luke's message was Jesus, who was God, became man. Now, again, uh, I, I want you to stay with me, uh, and I just want to uh, lay this out for you. But when we come to Matthew's gospel, Matthew's gospel deals with not humanity and not the incarnation and not immediacy, but Matthew's gospel deals with royalty. Matthew's gospel deals with the subject that Jesus is king. He's king. He is the rightful heir to the throne of David. It's not by accident, but by the providence of God. And that Jesus is king, and not just a king, but that Jesus is king of kings, and Lord of lords. And by the way, he really is. He really is. Now, I want us to look at this book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And as Matthew starts it out here in this first chapter, I want us to, this is, I guess, what you'd call a little expository type uh, preaching this morning. And, but I want us to deal, uh, look at several things that, that Matthew deals with in Matthew chapter 1. How about this? Number one, we notice that it deals with the fulfillment of Scripture. The fulfillment of Scripture. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of everything Scripture said would come to pass. For instance, for instance, uh, Zechariah spoke of how one day uh, the house of David would be as God, and now Jesus, the Son of God, and a descendant of David has stepped out onto the scene. The Bible tells us in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 8, In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before, uh, before them. We notice that Moses, in the Old Testament, Moses spoke of how God would one day raise up a prophet like himself, a prophet that Israel should hearken to. By the way, and Jesus steps out onto the scene. And Jesus becomes that prophet. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee and of thy brethren like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. When we come to the book of Psalms, the psalmist spoke of how God would raise up a priest, but not just a priest, but a priest like no other. And Jesus came and Jesus became that priest. Psalm 110 verse 4, the Bible says, the Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In fact, the Bible goes on to tell us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched 
touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now you say, preacher, okay, uh, what, what, what's your point? I'm, I, I promise you, I'm going somewhere with this. We noticed that Micah, the prophet Micah, spoke of how the Messiah would be born in a little town called Bethlehem. And guess what? Jesus Christ was a fulfillment of that prophecy. In Micah chapter five and verse number two, Micah said, but thou Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me he, uh, uh, he that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Malachi, the prophet, spoke of how Jesus would have a forerunner go before him and prepare the way. We know now because we're able to look back at Scripture, but we know that John the Baptist would become that forerunner of Christ. In Malachi chapter 3, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever come, Malachi said, Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me and the Lord. Now, what are you saying? That's all I'm saying. As we read the book of Matthew, as we read this first chapter of Matthew, one of the first things we notice is that this is a fulfillment of Scripture, that Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of of Scripture, everything that God said was going to come to pass, guess what? Came to pass. Just like God said it would happen, it happened. Now, I said that to say this. You know what? You can trust the Word of God and you can trust the God of the Word this morning. Listen, what God says is going to come to pass. Now, listen, I want to tell you what. This book is not like any other book. I want to tell you what. This is not like Sports Illustrated, thank God. This is not like Better Homes and Gardens. This is not like some uh, science book down at the library. I'm going to tell you what, you can base your life on the Word of God. When it says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. If God says He'll save you, He'll save you. If God says He'll forgive you, He'll forgive you. If God says He's going to judge sin, He's going to judge sin. If God says Jesus is going to come, Jesus is going to come. It is tried. It has been tested down through the years. Brother, it's never proven wrong. It's always been proven right. It is in, it is. It, it's invaluable, it's inerrant, it's infallible, it's the perfect word of God. And I'm glad that as we come to the book of Matthew that we find out that Jesus is the fulfillment of Scripture. Amen. Amen. Now, listen, I don't know if you got that or not, but this is what I'm saying. Brother, you can, you can count on the word of God. Listen, I may tell you something I may not carry through. Did you know that? And there's been other people down through the years that have let you down. But I promise you something, if God says it in his word, he's going to uphold it. God is going to make good on his word. God honors his word. And if God promised to do something in his word, he's going to do it. We notice the fulfillment of scripture. But how about this? Another thing we notice in Matthew chapter one is we notice the family tree. And that's why I wanted to take a little time to read through those begats and begottens. We notice the family tree. In other words, we notice those who are mentioned in the family line of Jesus Christ. That's what it's talking about. Uh, that line that we gave you, the begats, the begots, that is the family tree of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know what? Every family from time to time has a black sheep. You know what I'm talking about? Every family does, especially this time of year. You're getting together with family, and uh, a lot of times you're getting together with family that, that you don't see hardly any other time of the year. And every family has that, that family member probably that uh, is, uh, that is uh, maybe an embarrassment. Uh, maybe that 
family member that's, you know, really bad to drink and you don't know how they're going to show up. You know, they come to a funeral. You don't know if they're going to come sober, going to come drunk. Uh, they come to a wedding. You don't know if they're going to come sober, going to come drunk. That family member maybe that has a problems with addictions or narcotics or something like that. And, and, uh, uh, and, you know, you have to be real careful around them because if you're not careful, they'll reach in pocketbook and take something out of the pocketbook and I mean they're not exactly honest you know what I'm talking about and so every family's got uh, and by the way it doesn't mean we don't love them I'm, I'm just saying that uh, you know what every family's got that family member that you're not exactly proud of, you're maybe a little embarrassed of, and uh, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna place them on a pedestal. You're not gonna really praise them. In fact, it's that family member that because you're embarrassed uh, of their actions and their lifestyle, you know what? You're really not going to really make mention of them in a family setting. But as we come to the as we come to the Gospel of Matthew, we find here that that Matthew is a very candid generational book. We find here that Matthew mentions some people in the line of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be honest with you, church. We probably would have left them out. But how many know the Bible just tells it like it is? And the Bible's very honest and the Bible's very clear. And so uh, as we begin to read through this uh, uh, through this generational uh, tree here, we notice some people, some very interesting people. For instance, look at verse three. The Bible says, "In Judas begat Pharaohs and Zerah of Tamar. Tamar. Now, who was Tamar? You listen, who was Tamar? Well, Tamar was an adulterer. Tamar was a lady that at one point posed as a, I mean, it's, it's really, it's terrible, terrible, but she posed as a prostitute and ended up having an adulterous relationship with her own father-in-law and became pregnant by her own father-in-law. And yet, and yet, Scripture takes the time to mention Tamar in the line of Jesus Christ. Look, if you will, at verse number five. The Bible says, and Salmon begat Booz, or Boaz, of Rahab. That's a, uh, in the Old Testament pronounced Rahab. Uh, you say, preacher, who was Rahab? Rahab was a harlot. Rahab, I mean, listen, I'm not making this up. Check it out for yourself. Rahab was a prostitute. Now, Rahab had a heart for God, and uh, when the spies went down to Jericho uh, to, uh, to uh, look at the city, Rahab protected them, and she, uh, you know what? She did the right thing, and because of that, God spared her life. But before that time, she was a working harlot. She was known as a harlot. Uh, the, the, the town knew her as a harlot, and yet, and yet, the word of God sees fit to mention Rahab in the line of Christ. Look, if you will, at verse number, verse number five. The Bible says, And Salmon begat Booz of Rahab, and Booz begat Obed of Ruth. Ruth. Now, who was Ruth? Well, Ruth was a Gentile bride that was taken by a Jewish groom. But her, her background before she met Boaz was that of a heathen. <laughs> she came from a nation that was that was steeped in idolatry and paganism and, uh, and, uh, and worshiped other gods, and that's who Ruth was. And, and yet the Bible, I mean, I'm trying to figure this out. God, why? I mean, this is the line of Jesus we're talking about here, and yet you're going to put Ruth in there? How about this? Look at verse number six. The Bible says, And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon. Watch this. Of her that had been the wife of Urias. Now, who is that? Well, you remember the, remember the story, 2 Samuel 11? 
where the Bible says that David went up on the, on the top of the, the king's palace and he looked down and he saw a woman washing herself and, and you know the story, David lusted after that woman, Bathsheba, and uh, brought her into him and had a relationship with her, got her pregnant, had to uh, kill her husband to try to cover up his sin. And uh, now, I don't know, uh, you know, whether Bathsheba was a willing participant or she was forced to be with the king. I'm not sure about that, but I do know this. I know that Bathsheba's name was a name connected to scandal. And yet God, in his sovereignty, saw fit to mention Bathsheba in the line of Christ. Look, if you will, look at verse 2. The Bible says, Abraham begat Isaac, Abraham. Now, Abraham was a great man, but Abraham had a little lapse in faith, y'all know, and had a relationship with a little Egyptian called Hagar and had a, had a child by Hagar, by the way, out, out of the will of God, and had a child by Hagar by the name of Ishmael. And the very reason that we're having problems all over the world today with ISIS and Hezbollah and, and, uh, and all these different groups is because of that relationship right there. The reason we're having problems in the Middle East today and why there's such fighting and, and turmoil over there is because of that relationship right there because the Bible says about Ishmael that he would be a wild man and nobody would be able to tame him. By the way, the U.S. government will never tame him and Russia will never tame him and Iran will never tame him and uh, he's going to be a wild man. Wait a minute now. And Abraham, but yet the Bible mentions Abraham in the line of Christ. Now we're going somewhere. Look at verse 2. And Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat, what's that word? Jacob. You say, preacher, who was Jacob? Well, he was known as the deceiver. Jacob was that, Jacob was that one that Man, he was that supplanter. He was that, uh, he was that one who knew how to will and deal. And, and uh, he's the one that stole the birthright from his older brother and, and then later stole the blessing from his older brother and, and caused many, many hard feelings in his family. In fact, in fact, he had to leave because his brother was so uh, hated him so much. His brother wanted to kill him. And yet God mentions Jacob in the line of Jesus Christ. How about this? Verse 7, it goes on and on. The Bible says in verse 7, and Solomon, Solomon. Now, Solomon was a great man, one of the wisest men that ever lived. But the Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 11 that Solomon married many women. And those women turned his heart away from God. And Solomon became involved in many unmentionable things, and yet the Bible mentions Solomon in the line of Christ. Look, look at verse 7 again. And Solomon begat Reboam or Rehoboam. Who was Rehoboam, preacher? Well, it was the, the son of Solomon. It was a young man who split the kingdom of Israel because of his pride. And so we notice here the Bible is very honest and open when it lists all these people in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible mentions it. We, we, we wouldn't have mentioned it, but the Bible mentions it. And I thought about this this week. You know what? If there's one thing, and I, I'm thankful I haven't suffered a lot here at Calvary, but if there's one thing that I've suffered attack over the, in these years, it's, it's this thing right here, welcoming everybody to Calvary. We just welcome everybody. If you're here today, you're welcome. You say, Pastor, you don't know my background. I don't have to know your background. You're welcome. By the way, you don't know my background either. 
And uh, you know what? Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how rich. Doesn't matter how poor. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter if you if you started in the nursery and came all the way up in church, or or uh, you know what? Or maybe this is your first time in church. Or doesn't matter what your skin color is. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm just telling you, brother. When you walked in the door at Calvary Baptist Church, you walked in here. Welcome. We're glad you're here. We believe that if Jesus Christ were here today, pastoring a church bodily, that Jesus would reach out to everybody. He'd reach out to every soul. He'd reach out to every family and uh, everybody's welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. Now, I, I think there's something that we need to understand that many of these imperfect people that God mentions in the line of Jesus Christ, many of these imperfect people, God used them to do great things. And aren't you glad that God will use you today? You say, preacher, I'm so imperfect. So was Solomon. You say, preacher, I'm so imperfect. So was Bathsheba. But God used them and God used Jacob and God used Tamar and God put them in the line of Jesus and whoever you are today, wherever you are today, I'm glad I can tell you there is a God who put you back on the right path. There is a God who's the God of the second chance and God for, will forgive and God will restore and God will love you and God will use you. Man, thank God for the God we serve this morning. And then I thought about this. We understand here by reading Matthew chapter one that Jesus Christ did not have a perfect family tree. And yet he went on to do great things. He loved his family. Are y'all listening to me? He loved his family, but did not allow them to keep him from his father's business. And you're here this morning. Can I just challenge you on this? Quit using people as an excuse. Quit allowing people to hold you back. Preacher, I would do something but my wife. Preacher, I would do something but my mom, my dad. Preacher, you don't understand. My dad is an alcoholic. Okay, I'm sorry about that. But that doesn't mean you have to be an alcoholic. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. My mama's a drug addict, and, and for all these years, she's, she's been on a drug, and she's been uh, strung out, and, and that's all we've ever known. I've never had a mama that, that hugged me and kissed me, and we've never had love like that in our home, and I'm gonna say I'm sorry about that. I, I, I hate it's that way, but I just said that to say this. You can make it different for your kids, and just because your mom was an addict don't mean you had to be an addict, and just because your daddy was an alcoholic don't mean you had to be an alcoholic, and, and just because there are family members in your family that blew it and ruined their life and messed up their testimony. Doesn't mean you have to. Did you know that God will still use you and God will still bless you and you can still make something out of your life today? Amen. Amen. Did you know if you get serious, it's very possible your family will get serious? It hadn't been too long. I had a, had a family that came to our church and they said, this is what they said, I love it. They said, we had to come. And I said, okay. They said, this is what they told me. They said, we saw such a change in our dad that we had to come to Calvary to see for ourselves what was going on. Never seen our dad do, do like he's doing and change like he's changing. And it all started when he, when he started coming to Calvary Baptist Church. And we saw such a change that we had to come here and see it for ourselves. That's what I'm talking about. Man, just, just decide by the grace of God, no matter what everybody else does, that you're going to stand for God and live for God. We notice the fulfillment of Scripture. We notice the family tree, and I'm done today. 
But watch this, church. We notice the 14 generations. Would you look back at, at your Bibles again this morning, Matthew chapter 1, and look at verse number 17. And watch closely now. The Bible says, So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. And it's interesting that Matthew is very careful to point out there's something different about the last generation. There is, this is different than all the other begats. I wish I could take the time to go back and read them all, but, but look, if you will, at Matthew 1 and verse 15. And this is sort of the, the whole, you know, this is the, uh, the, the, what we see throughout the whole chapter. Verse number 15, and Eliad begat Eliezer, and Eliezer begat Mathen, and Mathen begat Jacob, and, and it goes that way throughout the, almost the whole chapter. Verse 16, all of a sudden something changes. And Jacob begat Joseph, and then it changes, and it says the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. I, I have my Schofield Bible up here this morning. It's just a, all that means is my King James Bible, and it's got some of Schofield's, uh, C.I. Schofield's notes in it. And C.I. Schofield said this. He said, the changed expression here is important. Jesus was not begotten of natural generation. In other words, in other words, this is not just another child that is begotten. That's what I'm talking about. The Bible says this person begat this person, and this person begat this person, and this person begat this person, and this person begat this person. And all of a sudden, when it comes to Jesus, all of a sudden it changes. And we find out here that, you know what, this is not just another Jesus. That's what it's saying. This is not, there were, there were other Jesuses back in that day, but this was not just another Yeshua. This was not just another Jesus. This is Jesus Christ. That's what it's talking about. Uh, listen, uh, he came from different origin. Now, I, I said that to say this, and I'm gonna be done. There seems to be, there seems to be a trend now in our world where, where we wanna, all we wanna talk about is Jesus now, I want to talk about Jesus, but nobody wants to say Jesus Christ anymore. It's all about Jesus. I want, want you to come to Jesus. We want you to think about Jesus. We're going to sing about Jesus. And, and I'm not, don't, don't take that wrong. I'm not, trying to be, I'm not trying to be critical this morning, but I'm just saying this. Uh, they want to talk about Jesus without ever referring to him as Jesus Christ. And Matthew was very careful to point out that Jesus was Christ. Now, there's a difference. There's a difference in Jesus and Jesus Christ. Hey, uh, 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 Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the book of generation, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. By the way, study the, the, the Pauline epistles and you'll find out that Paul hardly ever referred to Jesus without attaching his title of Christ. You say, is it important? You better know it's important. The word Christ means anointed, anointed. Uh, it is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Messiah. In other words, this is all I'm saying, church. This is not just another Jesus this is the anointed Jesus. This is the Messiah Jesus. 
This is, the, this is not just another king. This is the anointed king, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. That's what I'm talking about. And that's why, that's why, listen, that's why the words are so important in your Bible. It's not just Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. It's the anointed son of God. Did you know back in Bible days, when a man was anointed prophet, priest, or king, most often, you know what they would do? When they were anointing him as king, they would anoint him with oil. They would take that priest, that high priest, and they would anoint that priest with oil. It's a sign, a type of the Holy Spirit. But when Jesus came, he was baptized of John in the Jordan River. And the Bible says the heavens were open and the heavenly Father anointed him, not with a picture, the heavenly father anointed him with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that dove came down and resode upon him and uh, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, what was God saying? God was saying, this is not just another prophet. This is not just another priest. This is not just another king. You've already got Herod. You've already had all these other kings. This is not just another king. This is the king. This is the anointed king. This is the, the king of kings. That's what I'm saying this morning. Jesus Christ is the anointed king. Now I said that, say this. Did you know today that you will never live a better life than when you make Jesus Christ the king of your life? Amen. Amen. Ask you a question, church. I want to ask you a question, teenagers who aren't listening to me. I ask you a question. Who sits on the throne of your life today? Who sits on your throne? Who makes your decisions? Who calls the shots in your life? Now, I, listen, the truth, the truth of the matter is we're all free moral agents. God has given us the freedom to choose to do what we want to do in life. But I'm just telling you, brother, there's not a better life. I told those, I told those inmates Friday night, I said, there's not a better life than serving Jesus. Man, just make Jesus the king. Make him the king of your life. I'm telling you, brother, listen, I want to tell you what. There's no alcohol that, that can compare to that. There's not a drug that can compare to him. There's not money that can compare to him. There's not a bank account big enough that can compare to him. There's not a car you can drive that can compare to him. I'm telling you what. He is Jesus the Christ. He's the son of God. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. I read my Bible. Not necessarily because I want to read my Bible. I read my Bible because my king wants me to read my Bible. You say, preach, why do you come to church faithfully? Do you always jump out of bed? That's what people think sometimes about preachers. We bound out of bed on Sunday morning. Whoa, we'll get to go to church today. We have to get resurrected like y'all do. You know why I try to come to church faithfully? My king wants me to. You know why I try to give regularly? Because my king wants me to. You know why I try to, I, I at least attempt, don't always hit it, but I attempt to live a holy life? Because my king wants me to. Do you know why I forgive others when they do me wrong? My king wants me to. Do you know why I go soul winning when it's not popular to go soul winning? My king wants me to go soul winning. So it don't matter if anybody else goes or pastor goes or Sunday school teacher goes. My king wants me to go. You know why I try to guard my testimony? Because my king wants me to. 
It is a great day when people finally decide to make Jesus Christ the king of their life. The anointed, the Messiah. You always wonder what that meant, the Messiah, Messiah. People are looking for the Messiah. Messiah's already come. His name is Jesus. And Matthew said, understand something. This is not just a Jesus, any Jesus. This is Jesus Christ, the anointed. By the way, makes everything different at Calvary. What we serve, what we believe, what we preach, brother. I mean, it's all based on him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we thank you for this time we've had together this morning. Lord, I appreciate the Bible and just being able to preach the Bible this morning. And Lord, I, I, I pray that you'd help us to realize that this is not just any prophet that we're, uh, that we're serving. This is not just a, some priest that we're serving. This is not just any king. Lord, this is the king of kings. This is that one that the prophet said would come. Lord, this is that one that fulfilled scripture when he came. God, I thank you for being honest and allowing us to see the family tree of Jesus. Lord, reminding us that, Lord, if those folks can be used, we can be used. Thank you for reminding us that, God, you are the anointed Christ. Father, if there's one here today that does not know you as Savior, I pray today would be the day. I thank you for the four that responded to the gospel just the other day. Thank you for the two that were saved Friday night. And God, maybe, just maybe, there could be someone here this morning who would be honest and say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I pray today that you do a work of grace in their, in their life. And I pray today they'll accept Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I've never came back in all these years. I've never came back and tried to get somebody down the aisle. I'm not going to do that today. But I wonder how many here this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking, nobody looking. I wonder how many would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'd go to heaven. I've been saved. I know that I've been saved. And if you can honestly say that, would you just... Slip your hand up real quick. You can take it back down. All right. Bless your heart. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Can I ask you this second question? I wonder if there might be one here today. Anywhere you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I, I couldn't raise my hand, and I'm really not sure. I'm not sure I'd go to heaven, and I want you to pray for me. I want to know for sure. I don't want to take any chances. I want to know for sure. And if you're like that this morning, you'd slip your hand up right now and let me pray for you. Would you raise it real high so I can see it? All right, I see that little hand. Is there another anywhere? Preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you remember me in prayer? Is there anybody else, anybody else like that right now? All right, you can lower your hands. I want to ask you a question. Who sits on the throne in your life? Who is king in your life? You say, boy, I wish my mama was here to hear this. No, I'm talking about your mom right now. I'm talking about you. Who's the king in your life today? Who rules and reigns in your marriage? Who reigns in your home, your family? Who calls the shots in your finances? 
You know who it ought to be, church? It ought to be the anointed one. It ought to be the Christ. Would you, by your, would, you, would you stand with me with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? And Father, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak to hearts. And Lord, today, help us to decide that we're going to make Jesus the king in every part of our life, our marriage, our home, our finances, our thought life. Lord, everything we watch on television, everything, the music we listen to, the way we dress, God, we're going to make Jesus Christ the king in everything we do. Have thy way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And we sure, again, thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The pianist will play. If you need to come, listen, the altar's open. Maybe today you need to step out and make your way down to this altar. Join those that have already come.